welcome to another episode of That's What People Do with me, Ryan McGowan, and joining me as ever, I've got James Kay. How are you? I'm well, how are you? I'm very good, thank you very much. Uh, apologies for our small delay in bringing out this episode, guys. Uh, I've had just a hugely busy week at work, I've not been able to get any time. So, here it is, we've recorded, we've got it going, and it's bringing you to your ears right now. So, enjoy it, enjoy it. We've got this week... Um, King Herod, from famously from Le Bible. Uh, are you aware of King Herod at all, James? Yeah, I like. I always think of the nativity because whenever you did a nativity, usually when you were really little, there was always a King Herod, and he was an absolute bastard. Yeah, well, that's how he was perceived. King Henry is uh, King Henry. King Herod, yes, in the nativity, is perceived as the ultimate asshole. Um, a truly, truly heinous murderous piece of work uh, he wants to kill a child he does he does um and it, in terms of the story and the real herod they're not too far off in that he's a very ambitious very um protective man of his own wealth power and status he's very protective of it and there's very little that he wouldn't do to protect that um right. but what we are going to talk about today is the real King Herod, um, not so much the Bible Herod, because it does seem that there is actually a bit of a, a difference between the two, and we are going to sort of discuss that a bit later on. So, look forward to that. Um, what episode number is this, 44? 40-something, we are lost track. We are coming real close to our year anniversary it's 40 yeah 52 i imagine would be the 52 yeah 52 is going to be our year anniversary so look forward to episode 52 because then we'll be like i would say it's been a year and we'll try and figure out how to do it's annoying because i feel like in different circumstances we would have bought something special maybe we would have done the jack the ripper episode or something like that but it's just oh it's it's just impossible coronavirus has fucked it so uh we won't be able to do that but we will think of something different but in the meantime let's enjoy king herod the Great. Some people don't like it when you put the Great after Herod, but some people don't need to be offended. Anyway, let's crack on, shall we? We are going way back to biblical times, which we've done quite a bit recently. We've done so- somewhat ancient people with um, Diogenes and stuff like that. So we're, we're sticking with it. We're going back. An era when the world was a plaything for the mighty Roman Republic, not empire yet. Republic. So, it's 73 or 72 or 71, take your pick, BCE in Edom, which was a kingdom sitting south of the kingdom of Judea. And it is here that our man Herod is born to Cyprus, a princess from the ancient city of Petra in Jordan, and Antipater, a high-ranking official in the Judean court. Now, at this time in Judean history, the Roman Republic was running around kicking ass, taking names, or in this case, kicking ass and taking kingdoms. And Judea was under (laughs) Roman rule, essentially a puppet state, only allowed to be in existence because Rome says so, right? So, the current rulers were the Hasmonean family. So, these guys were legit, supposedly. They were... Uh, again, supposedly, descendants of King David. You know, um, 
the guy who killed a giant with a slingshot. Oh yeah, the David and Goliath. That's the one, David and Goliath. Yes, David has like a whole story arc, and he's actually I think like one of the most fleshed out characters in the Bible. I knew reading the Bible mm. or somewhat trying to read the Bible has helped me out somewhere. Um, he's like one of the most fleshed out characters um, in that he like goes from being just a shepherd boy who gets enlisted in this army, kills the giant, he ends up becoming a king himself, he ends up murdering a load of people, which people don't really talk about that often, and um, yeah, becomes a bit of a weird guy. Anyway, mm. having... Um, so yeah, th- th- these guys are supposedly the descendants of David. Like you cannot be um, in in the context of this, like King of the Jews, unless you were a descendant of David, right? And these guys, the Hasmoneans, claimed to be descendants of him. Therefore, they could be kings. Okay. So having for Herod having a dad in some of the highest offices of the Hasmonean dynasty, Herod grew up in a Jerusalem that was surrounded by powerful people including a very heavy influence from the Roman occupying the region, okay? So okay. Herod's, Herod's dad, in fact, was on first-name terms with a Roman general you might have heard of, a one Julius Caesar, or Caesar, as we all spell it and say it generally, but it's supposed to be pronounced Caesar. Ah, uh, yes. So, yeah, like, okay, right. Antipater, the dad, he's like a, he's a big baller, right? Um, Antipater had ambitions, right, particularly for his son Herod, okay? He knew that the power lied not with the Judean elites, but with Rome, okay? So, you see, the current king of Judea, he was a uh, manipulatable man named Herancus, right? He was a man who only became king after waging war against his brother for the throne, okay? So, not without help, he was heavily backed by the Roman general Pompey. Have you heard of that dude? Pompey, is his Pompey named after him? Uh, no, I don't think Pompey was named after him, but General Pompey was like... Uh, Never heard of Pompey. Once a power of Julia Kaiser, then became a mortal enemy of Julia Kaiser. Right, okay. So, General Pompey backed Herancus to fight against his brother for the king of Judea. So once Pompey had helped him win the battle, he fully just was like, I name you now the king of Judea. Go off and be kingly, Okay. So Antipater, who had supported Herancus during this war as well, was made um, like a prime minister of sorts and a diplomat to the Romans. So this dude's quite high up in the offices. Now, not that the people of Judea just took it lying down, of course. So in 57 BCE, an anti-Roman riot rose up. Herancus and Antipater called on Roman support to squash the rebellion, and they did. Because obviously their power really comes from Rome itself. So if people are against Rome, they're against the king and Antipater. And without Rome, they've got nothing. So they have to quash these rebellions and sort of basically keep their own country occupied to give themselves power. Which is kind of like a really evil thing to do. Yeah. So they sent a man known as Mark Antony, who not only would crush the rebellion, but become firm friends with Antipater's son, the now 16-year-old Herod, and things were beginning to come together. So, over in Rome, there was political machinations afoot. Rome's political structure is a bit intense, to sort of say the least. But, during the days of the Republic, the highest officer was a consul, not an emperor, but a consul. He's a bit like a prime minister, however, it only lasts for two years, and there has to be 
two of you. The idea was that each one would balance the other one out. And so while one was away fighting wars for the glory of Rome, uh, the other would be busy ruling day-to-day stuff and then they sort of take turns. Right, doing okay. That, right? So one thing, uh, one bloke who was totally vying for this job was the general Julius Kaiser. But like today, you can't just say, I want to be prime minister and then go run for office. You have to kind of, you need some wonga. You need some cash behind you to actually get you going, right? Um, yeah. And Caesar's man or Kaiser's man was a guy called Crassus. This dude was a serious big money baller. He backed Caesar, but who would have thought, um, but who would be Caesar's opposite, right? Who was that going to be? Well, that um, was Mr. Pompey, the general king maker slashing his enemies that dude pompey he is our opposite to general caesar but what they decided to do obviously is they have to work together so julius caesar has mr crassus as his big money bags and so he's going as consul and then pompey has to be the opposite consul to share the power so make sure that neither one of them starts being an arsehole about it all and then that should all work out fine right no problems at all so between the three of them, they were known as the first triumvirate. Now this would begin to collapse when Caesar's sugar daddy Crassus died, leaving Caesar and Pompey just staring at each other like a like a scene from Step Brothers, like <laughs> Caesar touched his drum set or something. You know. <laughs> Back in Judea, it was squeaky bum time for King Herancus and Antipater and Herod. So who do they side with? Right, Pompey, the guy who made. Herancus king and completely gifted him a kingdom and power or do you go with Caesar the man that Mark Antony who is good friends with Herod would fight for you got your balancey scales and morality going on here so things would eventually come to blows when Caesar would cross the Rubicon River with his army taking the city of Rome and sitting his ass firmly on the seat of power and Antipater's gamble would of course pay off Julius Caesar remembers his friends and Antipater was made financial governor of Judea and was given Roman citizenship, which he was also able to pass down to his son Herod, which is like serious fucking power. Like he can just wander into Rome and he could go as far as become like a Senate and stuff like that. Like he could enter Roman's political world by being a citizen, which is pretty cool. Now, Hmm. Herod is... 26. I understand at this point in so far in the podcast, we've not really spoke much about Herod yet, but it is very important to talk about sort of the backstory. So finding out a bit more about the king who we had just there, Herancus, you need to know a bit about his dad, Antipater, and kind of what's going on with Rome. Because during this time of history, um, the land that is Judea, which is now sort of like split up between like Israel, Syria, uh, and that sort of region, um, their way of life is so heavily influenced by Rome and what Rome says and dictates what happens. So it has to be brought up. Yeah. So okay. Herod is now 26 years old. And at this youthful age, he was appointed the governor of Galilee. Now, this was a test for the young Herod. The Roman Senate had problems with Galilee locals who were refusing to pay their taxes. Herod was tasked with squeezing the locals for all of their money to go back to the Roman Senate. And it seems that part of the problem was that there was a local resistance, or as the Romans would see them as terrorists, that had managed to capture the hearts of the locals and encourage the protests 
um, and that protest was by not paying your taxes and resisting Roman rule. So Herod, it turned out, was actually quite good at ruling a region. Debatable methods to be sure, but to the Romans, he got the job done. He shoved his hand right down the back of the sofa that was Galilee and found every last penny it had to offer. He also managed to sort of get all of the local resistance issues out that they were having. And Herod became good friends with another Roman governor, Mr. Sextus Caesar, which is a really cool name. He's Sextus? Yeah, Sextus Caesar. He's the cousin of Julius Caesar. And Sextus was so impressed with Herod's governorship, he promoted him to governor general of Syria too. Now, already at this point, he's 26 years old, our man Herod. And we're already starting to see that this guy is not really interested in his homeland and he's not very patriotic about it. He doesn't really seem to care about it that much. He's only really interested in his own sort of power, himself. He's only interested in himself. His power comes from Rome um, because they give his dad the position, which then gives him a position and money and status and wealth. And so he's only really interested in keeping that happening rather than like sort of being like, yeah, I'm free Judea, free my land, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Later on, we will come on to sort of more so why he thinks that. It might not excuse it at all, but maybe we'll be able to understand it a bit more. Um, But for the meantime, um, Mr. Herod here, he's killing his his own people just to sort of please Rome and keep himself in power. And he's really not that fussed about doing it. He does not care. So around this time, Herod took a wife called Doris, which is fantastic. And they had a son who seemed to be the apple of Herod's eye. He was named after his own father, Antipater. Now, life is going well for old Herod. Um, he's a man of power. He's got friends in high places. He's got a wife. He's got a son. Nothing could go wrong now, except for the Sanhedrin. Now, they had something to say about Herod's rule over Galilee. And when I say Herod was quite good at ruling, I mean he was actually really good at terrorising and murdering a populace to get results doing it as you do yeah exactly doing it the roman way with brute force and violence now the sanhedrin which was a council of elders issued to regions wanted to put herod on trial for crimes against the populace while governor this normally would be a problem for herod and it also would mean the death penalty if found sort of guilty by them and these guys were sort of uh, religious elders as well so like they'd, they'd sort of stick to the religion, stick to the rules, that sort of stuff. That's how it goes along, right? Um, But remember, Herod's got friends in very high places and the Romans managed to put down the trial and get Herod off completely scot-free, completely avoiding the death penalty and he was home, home dry. Now, around 40 BCE, the guy overseeing the eastern side of the Roman Empire, Mr. Mark Antony, very good friends with Mr. Herod, who we all know Mark Antony is a very famous Roman. Uh, best friends with Julius Caesar, ends up getting with Miss Cleopatra. No spoilers Yeah, Antony and Cleopatra. That's the one, you now know him. He's very good friends with Herod. They kind of He's like 10 years older than him, but they grew up uh, and they became very good friends right, whilst he was um, in Judea. So Mark Antony... He's overseeing the Eastern Roman Empire, so that's sort of like Syria region. That, But he's too busy flirting with a Miss Cleopatra of Egypt that the Parthian Empire to the east 
abused the moment and invaded Judea, overthrowing the current Hasmonean king, Harankus, and replacing him with their own puppet king, Antigonus, who is also the nephew of Harankus. Again, families just having a go at each other. Yeah, now, it seems to be a way in those times as well, didn't it? We had it with um, Vlad the Impaler as well, like brother against brother. Brother against brother. Um, all, throughout, all throughout history, families just don't get on. I'm currently watching um, a documentary series uh, called Timeline, and uh, they're talking about Britain's bloodiest dynasty, which is about mm. uh, the Plantagenet kings of England, who obviously came from France originally, um, yeah. and how they just murdered betrayed like did everything to their own family members or to become kings and become having power and stuff like that some of the stuff you literally got fathers against sons and they don't give a shit they raise armies and fight their fathers and stuff like that it's crazy what some mm. people will do yeah for power yeah now <clears throat> this is some serious shit from herod okay his power is given to him purely from the backing of rome now, without Rome and with this Parthian Empire coming in and sort of making their own king puppet, he has nothing. Herod is then, like you know, like I said, squeaky bum time here. He's rushing off to Mark Antony in Egypt, pleading for help. But his girlfriend, Cleopatra, may be a bit jealous because Mark hangs out with Herod all the time and doesn't spend enough time with her. So what if he was neglecting a whole region and her empire to give her attention? It was never enough, okay? That's probably not what happened exactly. But anyway, she wouldn't let him see his mate, right? Herod thought, fuck this shit. I'm going straight to the seat of power. I'm going to Rome. So off he goes. And there he pleads for support in fighting the Parthians out of his lands. Now, the Roman Senate is quite surprised. They did not expect to see Herod come here out of nowhere. Although he is a Roman citizen, he can go there and he's allowed to do what he likes kind of thing. They were really surprised that he'd go all that way. But they were really pleased with Herod. He walked straight into their backyard and fully just demanded that they help him take back what was theirs. Now, like I say, they fully admired the commitment Herod showed, even though it was all to save his own back, but not necessarily to save his beloved home. Now, he was, after all, a Roman citizen, thanks to his dad. So he's got sort of dodgy ways of wanting to do it. This was the part where you'd expect Rome to say, um, piss off. Um, or sure why not for the glory of Rome and all that sort of stuff let's do it but it really couldn't have gone any better for Herod not only did the Romans agree to help support Herod in pushing back the invading Parthians they admired the dedication of Herod and how much like-minded he and the Romans were that they fully just made him king of all Judea there and then just in front of them all they just sat there and they're like I like you I like your spirit. You got balls. You can be the king. <laughs> so, uh, fucking hell. Yeah, no, it's crazy, right? Imagine that. Herod took the some position. Some of greatness just thrust upon him. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. some are great and some have greatness thrusted upon them. I love that. Now, Herod took the position, presumably acting like he wasn't interested at first, but took it anyway. Kind of like when someone at work is dishing out sweets to everyone. You pretend you weren't looking or expecting one yourself even though you were fully expecting one. And then when they offer it, you pretend to be surprised that they offered. You know what I'm on about? Yeah. And they're like, would you like a biscuit? Oh, oh, wow. Thank you very much. I was not expecting yeah. one. Yeah, as the tins go around, you pretend not to notice it. Exactly, but you've looked around the room and you're like, you've handed a biscuit to every single fucker in this room. I'd better get offered one as well. 
Yeah. Now, Herod was now king, in name only, of all Judea. But with the backing of a Roman army to win back his new throne as king of all the Jews. But it really wasn't going to be so easy as just heading back to Judea as the new king, rally the locals, fight the good fight. It turns out the Parthian's puppet king, Antigonus, was quite popular as a king. So when Herod walks back in with a Roman army declaring himself king, you won't be surprised to find out that the locals didn't jump when he said jump. Mm. Now, it actually took him three years of fighting against his own people to become the king. But eventually, Herod took the city of Jerusalem over through Antigonus, sending him to Mark Antony for execution. And Herod was now the undisputed king of the Jews. But at what cost? The Romans made him king, but when the people you rule over don't agree with you, what do you do? To his people, only a descendant of David can be eligible, as we discussed earlier. More so comes the issue of Herod's lineage. This is the bit where we're going to be like, he doesn't really give a shit about the people he rules over that much. So, like I said at the beginning, Herod was born in Edom to a mother who was a pagan princess and an Arab father with pagan roots. Herod, um, his father, his father's father, they're all Jewish themselves, okay? They're, they're all sort of born Jewish and they practice Judaism and that was their thing, right? But their family yeah. and the region itself that they all came from had only been converted a century before and even then at the point of a sword. So Judeans did not really see Herod as a true Jew at all. So to try and legitimise his Jewish faith and secure his position as the king, he banished his wife Doris and their son after six years of marriage into the desert and took a child bride named Miriamne, who was allegedly aged around 13 when they met. Now Herod would have been deep into his 30s at this point, so a bit of... Ugh. But, yeah, I suppose back. I suppose it, as always in these episodes, it's uh, it was okay at the time, but nowadays that's fucked. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah. It's all debatable, isn't it? Now, what? Apparently, off the top of my head, this might this is gonna sound really fucked up, but apparently, women are at their most fertile around thirteen, fourteen. Annoyingly, I think we're right on that. Which is, don't, doesn't mean go to sleep with a 13-year-old, for fuck's sake, but it's just the science behind no, it. No, absolutely. And th- this is in no way, that's what people do podcasts justifying any sort of child bride or, you know, underage sex. But isn't the point of, like, humans are at their most fertile once they hit puberty? Yeah. that's, like, the whole exactly. point, isn't so, it? Uh, like, in the animal kingdom, animals breed when they're sexually active, and then when they're no longer sexually active, mm. they don't breed anymore. So the sort of the longer humans go on for, and the older we get, the less active we become sexually, and the less likely we are to breed. So, that, like, I think they literally waited for a, a girl to have her p- first period, and then they're like, "Fine, cool, good to go," which is fucked. Yeah, like in today's standards, that's fucked. But I think they mentioned that, like, to to people that didn't know better. Yeah, they drop hints about I don't know. that. I feel like I'm digging myself a massive hole here. No, I know what you mean. The thing is, I know what you mean. <laughs> and I know you're a good person. <laughs> but it's whether other people... Yeah, like, yeah it's, it's... We're not condoning I'll get this. the fucking... 
I'll get my statement ready for the hearing. Yeah, what, what we'll have to do is we'll have to get a lawyer in just to clarify a few things yeah. and then say, we, that's what people do, podcast, do not condone X, Y, Z, don't sleep with children, don't have underage sex. If you are going to do it, make sure you do it safely and properly, use protection, do all that sort of stuff. We're just talking about purely uh, human biological inst- in way. Yeah, the, the anatomy of human beings. The, ima- the anatomy of human beings, yeah. You're, I think you are more likely at your most fertile when you've just sort of hit which is why if you have a baby when you're like i think late 30s 40 onwards the baby has more chance of having a disability because you're 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 not supposed to have children then is that right your body at that your your body at that point is just past it i think once you get past 40 there's a much higher percentage that your baby will have like down syndrome or something i might be making this up but i'm sure i've heard that somewhere crazy i mean it kind kind of makes sense do it when you're young when you hear those stories about like um woman in her 70s gives birth to twins and you're like fuck me no way like that's not right yeah exactly and you're like but, th- but then you're like oh that's fucked up for the child because you're gonna die soon and that kid's gonna be motherless yeah, because isn't the whole point is like you're supposed to have a child when you're young enough and fit enough to look after it until it reaches its own sexual maturity and it can look after itself and then your job's done isn't it exactly so but i suppose in those days as well life expectancy wasn't what it is now so things had to be done quicker that's true and obviously like with kids having sort of less education they sort of became workers from about 11 yeah we have much better science behind us now we can live longer and be healthier yeah i was gonna say didn't game of thrones sort of like have a little nod to it when um when cersei meets sansa stark for the first time and she's like oh i made you this dress and she's like oh it's lovely like such a lovely thing up north here have you bled yet <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's like, literally what no. it. I think that's literally what it was. Yeah, which like repul- repulses for her us. To bleed and then they could get get married. Because, like, I think rightfully so, we've put mental maturity ahead of physical maturity. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because, like, it's, I don't know if I'm gonna put, dig a hole here, but like, anyone can have a child, but not everyone can raise one. Yeah, no, fully agree with you. Anyone that disagrees is a like just sensitive i guess i don't yeah I, mean, I, I agree we've got like 20 years of jeremy kyle clips to prove that anyone can yeah. have a child so some people are really really bad parents and mm. we all we when we say that we all know someone that springs to mind it might not be personal you might have seen an episode of jeremy kyle or something like you said where it's no, like I'm is this child of, mine i'm just thinking of karen matthews the woman who hid her child under her bed and then got a free shopping from asda and then claimed to the whole world her child had gone missing yeah that's fucked up or fred and rose west yeah, that sounds interesting. It. I've never heard anyway, of that before. Uh, what, Karen Matthews? Yeah, never heard of that. Oh, I'll do one. I'll do the episode on Karen Matthews. Okay. Enjoy that. Well, Look if you've made coming soon. I hope people have made it through this bit of us justifying underage sex and things. Yeah. Which we Bear with us, please, guys. We are actually <laughs> our nice people. <laughs> now, uh, let's get back to it. Okay, so uh, Herod has married a 13-year-old. He is in his 30s. Now... Whether this marriage was out of desire or not is contested, okay? Some say he was obsessed with her. Some say it's just political marriage because she was a Jewish princess. It would make a shitload of sense. She was also um, Hasmonean, which, as we discussed earlier with Herancus and even Antigonus, they are supposedly the ancestors of King David. And so that would legitimise his claim to the throne through her. And then also I always thought David sons- and Goliath was... Uh, made up. No, King David apparently was a real dude. I always thought that was made up. I'm not gonna lie to you. Before you mentioned King Herod, I thought King Herod was made up. I've never exactly. actually done any any research into this era. So this is the thing, right? Um, 
let's 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 go on a tangential ride um a lot of stories you find sorry if you get offended a lot of stories we find in um religious textbooks a lot of people just sort of um throw them aside as being myth or legend or just not true in general a lot of the time there is some sort of fact behind the stories it's a lot of Mm. it's just embellished yeah for for example i am going to talk about a little later on towards the end of the podcast um but what we see of king herod in the bible and what we actually know of king herod the real man there are hints and nods to why he was sort of interpreted a certain way in the bible um but it's not necessarily accurate to say these things happened king Mm. david as well as i say like for you he's like one of those oh i just thought it was a mythical character like maybe king arthur or something um Mm. no apparently this dude is the dude is real he was a real king um but like certain things maybe embellished like he supposedly slayed a giant well how giant was this dude well maybe the average height was like four foot fuck all and this dude happened to be six foot that that dude's gonna tower over everyone he is a giant yeah so and then as the story gets passed on and generally as remember these stories were written sometimes hundreds of years after the actual event um mm. so you know a giant how big was this giant well, it was a fucking giant how much more do you need to know about it, it was dude was giant you know it, that's true get embellished a lot of the time uh, if you are interested uh listeners uh there's a program called battles bc and they they sort of talk about what we would expect to be traditional um biblical stories and actually figuring out how these real people were actual um generals and warriors like even moses um moses was a real dude who got slave jewish slaves out of egypt but he didn't Mm. just like wander out of egypt no fucking contest or nothing people tried to fight him and he had armies that he would use to fight and get them out okay that sounds a lot cooler to be fair exactly as how i was literally saying to my girlfriend earlier today sometimes history is more fucking interesting than fiction yeah yeah literally history's mad so much mad shit has happened oh yeah man Uh, and that's what i'm saying like i'm watching the britain's bloodiest dynasties and the history of the plantagenet kings of england is genuinely more interesting than game of thrones itself you can't write this shit the stuff that happens in real life is so much more interesting Mm. so as i was saying um Miss Mariam, Miss Mariami, the 13-year-old bride of King Herod. She's the granddaughter of the old king, Herancus, and she's also the niece of that new puppet king, Antigonus. So, like I said, she is through and through uh, Hasmonean. Like, she's got perfect, like, um, she's got King David blood. She's like a Jewish princess. Her children that she has with Herod will be, like, pure blood, Herod... um, Hasmonean, Hasmonean princes, and then they will have all the legitimacy to be kings. So Herod's totally thinking about himself and his legacy at this point by marrying this girl, mm. I would imagine. But it is also said he was very obsessed with her. So Herod was a paranoia-ridden man. He saw enemies everywhere. Even his new young bride was a threat. He was obsessed with her but she wanted absolutely nothing to do with him, which I can kind of imagine. This is like 30-odd-year-old man trying to creep on you and you're 13. She's not really that interested. But yeah, he knew this. So to prevent any betrayals, 
uh, whenever he left the city to go on campaign for like Rome or anything like that, because obviously um, Judea at that point is not a separate state of its own. It has no foreign policy. If Rome says you go to war, you go to war. And that's sort of how it went. Anytime he left the country, uh, he had left a command to say that should anything happen to him, that his wife was also to be killed. I'm not even sure if she knew Fuck about you know. it though. Yeah, he was like, yeah, if anything happens to me, I want her dead because I don't trust her and I know she'll come in and just take over and do all this sort of shit. Crazy, but he for some reason was obsessed with her. Anyway, Herod had forced his way into the royal family by marrying in, but he had produced two Jewish sons with Miriami, so he has now got a legacy, which is great. He would also go on to have many other sons along the line, but... We're just focusing on the two at this point. So his religious beliefs were still being questioned constantly. He was just a convert. That is all he was seen as to other uh, Jews uh, who lived in the area. He's just, a, he's just a convert. He doesn't truly believe. He just says it for the sake of saying it, right? Which is kind of not fair when you have converted at the point of the sword. And for the last hundred years, your family has followed that rule. So he, he in his own mind, he's like, I am just as much as you are. Why can't you see that? He could never be a legitimate king of the Jews, right? Herod noticed that his brother-in-law, Aristobulus, who was the brother of Miriamne, he was very popular with the local populace and the subjects. Now, fearing that they would revolt against him and make Aristobulus the king, because obviously he was a Hasmonean, through and through and he was male so he is a male heir of king david and there's no reason why he couldn't be king uh, over herod to appease the religious leaders and the people he made aristobulus a hasmonean prince the old royal family the high priest and this absolutely worked right the people were happy to see a member of jewish royalty back in power albeit not rulers but it wasn't all good okay the main man behind it all, the actual king, Herod, he was not able to attend the ceremony of swearing in Aristobulus as, like I say, he was not seen as a Jew to many people. So he's trying to do all these little, like, you could do this. You know, it's like a chess game. He's got a chessboard, he's got pieces, and he's got Aristobulus there, who is a threat, but he's like, I'll put you here so that you're not so much a threat as the high priest. You can help me out here. You can appease the people. And then he's not even allowed to sort of attend that ceremony. And it's all kicks him back in the teeth because they're like, brilliant, thanks for bringing us to Hasmonean royalty. You're not allowed to watch the ceremony because you're not one of us. And he's like, I'm your fucking king, man. <laughs> and you yeah, still don't use your power. But this is the thing. Yeah, use your power. I mean, he, his power comes from Rome, which is great. But if if the if the local populace decided to just revolt storm the storm his palace and kill him all the romans are going to do is just put another king in his place like he is sort of dispensable at this point and he kind of mm. knows that so he really is on like thin ice a lot of his rule i imagine that was mm. quite difficult at the end of the day you're a king like how difficult really can it i don't know i don't know but i just think if i was sat in my palace i had some fella feeding me grapes feathering me with a big old leaf and i'm going oh nobody likes me I don't think that'd be the worst of my problems. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be pretty calm. I'd just. Yeah, I'm pretty calm. It's like that joke about, and it's like, oh, money doesn't make you happy. And it's like, yeah, but I'd be more comfortable crying in my Lamborghini. Yeah, <laughs> literally. 
<laughs> I'm going to be depressed forever, so it's I may as well have a mansion. Like exactly. It's like Herod's just going, oh, you don't know what it's like to be king. It's like, yeah, but I wouldn't mind crying in a palace. That'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so this shit just pisses off Herod every single time it happens, even more and more and more. He's getting wound up as it keeps happening. He keeps being pushed aside. You're not one of us. You're not real Jew. Even though you, your dad, your granddad, and so on for the last hundred years have been claiming yourselves to be, you're not. You're not. You're just sitting in that throne because Rome allows you to. We don't agree. We don't like you. That's winding him up. Now, he started to fear that Aristobulus, his brother-in-law, would start having ideas about ruling, and he wasn't wrong. His wife, Mariame, and Aristobulus's mother, Alexandra, they'd been to Cleopatra, who at this point was now married to Mark Antony. And they begged her and Antony to support in overthrowing Herod. Herod was naturally pissed off um, because, um, you know, there was there was betrayal afoot. But Antony, being your boy, he was like, I'm not having it, all right? Um, I'm not doing that. So at a pool party in Jericho, which was the place to be for elites at the time, Herod had the assassination of his brother-in-law, okay? Aristobulus was drowned in a pool by his guards, and his mother-in-law was also just straight-up murdered for her involvement. There is some sort of 1970s mother-in-law joke here, but I don't know where it is, and I can't write one. <laughs> um, now, it's all a bit obvious what had happened. Cleopatra, back in Egypt, wanted Mark Antony to punish Herod for disposing him um, so he could invade Jericho, which was once a province of Egypt. But Mark, being your boy, let your pal off in the same breath being whipped by Cleo, gave her the land of Jericho. Now, this wasn't the only problem that Mark Antony was dealing with. He was currently to engage in a civil war against Octavian. Have you heard of Octavian? No, not really. No. Octavian is the nephew slash adoptive son of the late Julius Caesar. Now, Herod had a decision to make with who to support. Same as like with what um, his dad Antipater had with who do I support, Pompey or Julius Caesar. Herod now has the same decision. Who do I support? Do I support Octavian, who is, you know, the nephew slash adoptive son of Julius Caesar, a friend of my dad's? Or do I back my boy Antony? All right, Mark Antony. What he did was throw his whole lot in with Mark Antony, but that would backfire. As we know, Mark Antony would lose this war and he would then go off and commit suicide along his, alongside his Egyptian bride, Cleopatra, who herself would then commit suicide with, uh, is it asps? She has two snake asps by her titties and she dies. Now, as I say, this is squeaky bum time for Herod. There is quite a few squeaky bum times for him. When Octavian comes into power, he names himself Emperor Augustus, which is where we right. get the uh, the Roman Empire now becomes a thing from, be mm -hmm. from going to Republic to Empire. And he wanted to know why the King of Judea, an important part of his empire, sided with the rebel Mark Antony. Now, Herod met with the Emperor in Rhodes, presumably with nervous farts going off with every step. Either <laughs> lacking the intelligence to weave a smart lie, he just came out and said, yeah, you got me. I sided with Mark. He was my boy. I'm a, he's always he's loyal. I'm a loyal dog. I can't deny it. You can't punish me for being loyal. Come on. Now, surprisingly, 
The emperor was like, yeah, good point. Show me that loyalty and we're all good, okay? And then he was like, yeah, uh, totally. Um, I'll be loyal to you just as much as I was loyal to Mark Antony. And then Octavian, now Emperor Augustus, was like, right, cool, brilliant. Now fuck off and go and be king and shit, all right? And he was that was it. Like, he totally sided against him, fought against him and everything. And then he was like, no, nah, I could use a dude like that. He's loyal. I don't get it myself, but... No. So Herod still needed to get his people to be on his side. He's been in rule like 10 or so years now at this point, and he's, his people still just cannot stand him. He didn't trust anyone, including his young wife, remember? And he began to he began to suspect that she was having an affair and was outwardly favouring this lover of hers. Devastated that she would do this to him, Herod had her executed. Now, it was after this that Herod's attitude began to change from giving a fuck to not having many left to offer. His <laughs> patience was wearing thin. Herod ordered protests to be made illegal. He had secret police to spy on people. He had a personal bodyguard of 2,000 men. And one way he thought he would win over the public was with a nice spending spree. Now, during the three-year war for his throne, he properly fucked up Jerusalem. Like, it was a shithole afterwards. So, he decided to rebuild it and uh, rebuild it with one new special building in mind. He would build the second temple, the famous Temple Mount, which is still around today and is for religious folk, one of the holiest of holies in the world. You know that big golden domed temple in jerusalem yeah that yeah that he kind of built that what's left of it is like the foundations of his he the foundations of his temple is kind of what's left today and they've kind of built over on top of that i think and now at the moment it's a mosque for muslims and uh, uh jews and christians are not allowed to worship in it that's why you see a lot of um jewish people worshiping at what's called the wailing wall yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's what's really left of the original temple that Herod built. And because they're not allowed in the mosque temple area itself, they that's where they pray. Right, okay. Because I always found that a bit, as as someone who's just not educated enough about it, I was like, I don't understand it. Like, why are they, why, why are they wall? Why is it called a wailing wall? Why are they just standing at the wall putting stuff in it? Um, because it is a sacred temple to them and they're not allowed in it at all. And that's why they stand at the wall instead. That's quite yeah. Jerusalem is uh, we speak about it as well a lot, don't we? Jerusalem and stuff. It's a interesting yeah. place. Jerusalem is a. I'd like to go. Yeah, I would like to. I'd as like. Well. I'd like to go and just just observe. Jerusalem is a fascinating place where it's 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 split between like Christians, Jews, and Muslims, and they all vie for where it all happens. Particular areas as being so holy to them and not the other. It's it's bizarre. So uh, so he built the famous temple. He would go on to build massive monuments like uh, the harbour of Caesarea and fortresses like Masada, Herodium, Alexandrium and Hyrcania. Her it's a hard one to say. Now, swings and roundabouts though. While he built nice things that, that pleased the Jewish populace, they were like, yeah, I like your building. He would fuck it up by naming them after Roman generals or having a somewhat distinctly Roman feel to the buildings like, you know, a huge gold eagle placed on top of one of them or naming it 
Caesarea after Caesar. Some liked what Herod was going for, but the, mar- the vast amount didn't and were outwardly opposed to his rule. It seemed that there was nothing he could do to win over his people in full. He would forever be seen as an outsider with a crown, and this wasn't helped with Herod's pagan behaviour. So it's one of those, um, he is the ruler, he's supposed to abide by, like, he claims I'm a Jewish king, and everyone's like, you're not truly Jewish, and he's like, I am, and they're like, yeah, but you're dicking around and you're not acting like one, and that's sort of the the main problem here which is really, really common in rulers. They say one thing that we should all be doing, but they start doing the complete opposite behind closed doors. You know, like um, popes with concubines. You know, they're all like, Mm. you can't be having sex. I'm a fucking pious man, and I've never touched my dick in my life. But behind closed doors, (laughs) they're literally throwing like fucking hazelnuts at the floor while like loads of sex workers naked are running around grabbing them. That's genuinely a story about a pope. Right. Yep. Or um, Henry VIII, you know, divorcing people, ripping up an entire fucking religious foundation and creating his own one just to get a dick wet. That That is a big dick move. It is a big dick move, isn't it? Yeah, big codpiece move. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> or, I can't divorce you, so I'm going to create a whole new church. Literally. Or uh, government officials breaking lockdown rules. <laughs> oh, Durham is the place to be. Durham is the place to be. In fact, I'm going to go twice. (laughs) Um, Yeah, fucking hell. That is topical. If you don't know already, guys, if you're not from the UK, we've got a guy who's like the spin doctor for the government. Without him, the government is literally in shit creek. It already is anyway. But without him, they wouldn't even know what to say. Okay, this dude is so fucking important to them. And now, obviously, we He's have, the puppet master. He is the puppet master here, right? He's got his finger up everyone's fucking ass in that cabinet, telling them what to do. He is the Malcolm Tucker. He is the Malcolm Tucker of our government, right? If you don't know Malcolm Tucker, fucking watch the thick of it, and then you'll know who he is. That is who this guy is, this Dominic Cummings. He's broken lockdown rules a couple of times already now. Anyone else, in terms of high official status who have broken lockdown rules, they've resigned within hours of being caught out. And this time he's like, nah, I ain't resigning. And everyone's calling for our prime minister to sack him. And the prime minister's like, nah, he's my boy. The entire government's defending him. Like, I, lo- I they must have, he must have so much dirt on them that they're like, if he goes and we sack him or whatever, we're fucked. It could be that. It, it might be dirt that he's got on them. It could also be that they're literally sitting there twiddling their thumbs not knowing what to say until he turns up at nine in the morning and goes, right, yeah, Boris, you're going to go out there. You're going to say this. Rishi, you're going to go out. You're going to keep going out and they're pretending you're nice, young, hip, and everyone likes you. And he's like, yep, got it. <laughs> like, that's what he's doing. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, it's mental. It's a mental situation. Anyway, back to Herod. Okay. So um, there is always an inherent hypocrisy with rulers. Okay. They're usually the ones that are supposed to set an example. But with all that power you sometimes got to just flex it a little. And Herod thought, fuck this shit. If I can't get them to love me, instead, what I'll do is I'll write my name in history with big old buildings and a little bit of murder to just spice things up a bit. Anyway, Jesus Christ, as Herod would have said when he heard the news. <laughs> I laughed so hard when I wrote that fucking line. <laughs> 
I hope someone else did right. I really <laughs> do. The whole reason for this episode, okay, really is because of the story of the old bookie book, the Bible. Okay, we've talked about Herod so far as. Uh, how long has this been going on for now? It's only like 40-odd minutes, right? We've been talking about Herod. So a bit of his backstory, all that sort of stuff. How he became king and what he's kind of doing. This dude got kind of given a crown. Sort of given. He did kind of fight for it as well. But a bit like Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, you can have a crown if you fight for it and then it's all yours. He did that. And then everyone was like, no, fuck you. We don't like you. And that was his whole reign. It was just, we don't like you. And he went, I don't care at the point of that bit. But what we really know is obviously Bible, bookie book king herod he's an arsehole he kills people right yeah now this is where we're going to get on to this is why i wanted to sort of do king herod because it's bible talk and i like all this stuff as the story goes in the gospel of matthew an unspecified number of wise men or kings or magi i'm being serious there isn't actually any mention of how many wise men there were or if they were even... I thought it was three. Yeah, exactly. There actually isn't any mention of how many there are. It is completely unspecified. Oh, there could have been hundreds. It's all... And, uh, yeah, exactly. They could have. They could have, right? Um, but also, were they kings? Um, I'm not... My Bible knowledge is not good. Exactly, right? We don't really know if they were even kings. They, they're, they're considered wise men in the Bible, but some people call them kings. And I don't know why. I don't know where it's come from. They've definitely got money behind them with the gifts they gave. Apparently so. But the Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. That is it. We assume it's three just because three gifts are given to the baby Jesus. But it could have been 12, it could have been 20 or even 100 wise men who were just sometimes a bit stingy. We don't know. Mm. Now, I'm not sure where the king's thing comes from either. The only thing close that I can find in the Bible is, quotes, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. It doesn't even specify countries. It just says country, which would is sort of singular, which would assume that they're all from the same country, so they can't be kings mm. of the country, can they? Or can they? I suppose they could be three kings. We three kings of Orient. I don't know how it goes. But anyway, stop dissecting the Bible. I knew this would happen. <laughs> anyway, Herod, he's sitting pretty in his palace in 4, in 4 BCE, before Common Era. Oh, yeah. Um, what year was Christ born? Question. Zero. I always thought it was zero too, because it was always BC, and then it's what? AD. AD, which is Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord, Latin, turns out. Uh, it goes 1 BC to then 1 AD. There is no zero. But Jesus That's was right. supposed... I guess that makes, it, that makes sense, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you're like, it's year nothing. You know, there has to be something, I suppose. So it goes from 4-3 uh, to 1 and then 1 again. Which mm. is really confusing. Imagine if like, it's the year one. Actually, no, they wouldn't even call it the year one. What year? But would here's they the thing: if it? before before Jesus, they wouldn't have been counting down. That, exactly. That's such that's a just that's a really poor calendar. They wouldn't have been going, "Oh fuck, we're at one." Fucking hell, the world's going to end. Crap, and then the kids because born. Because we're only in 2020. Because it's 2020 years since Christ was born. I, I think it, it's literally just they restarted the calendar. I think is all that happened, and they just. 
wrote rewrote the one that happened before. Yeah, but what year was it when they restarted? That's what I'm really fascinated to know. What year did they believe it to be when Jesus was born and they just went, nah, fuck it, it starts from now. I'm sure some in-depth research has been done on that. That's quite interesting. I have to find that out. That's fascinating. Because we could be in like the year 4,000 something and we're sitting here going, it's 2020. Like, no, it's 4020. I guess it depends when calendars started being made because obviously every civilization since the word dot has kept track of the days like the mayan calendar for example even the mayan calendar counted up to 2012 which is when everyone thought the world was going to end yeah i think that's hilarious they're like no it's just i don't i don't look at the calendar i can buy from card factory and it only goes up to december 2020 and i go oh, that's the end of the world then exactly so that stop <laughs> at some point but i'm sure mayans were around long before jesus oh man i have to find this out i must know so they were always counting up but then why did they then stop at 2012? It's bizarre. Like, why, how did they get to 20? Why were calendars suddenly rewritten at the birth of this boy? Oh, no, apparently the, the 2012 thing, the Mayan stuff, was just like, oh, it had a system that it just carried on to 2012. But then once it hit 2012, they just had to reset it. Oh, right, okay. So it go 2012, and then they go, oh, we know it's 2012. We just need to reset it from here. And then it go 2013, 2014, and then it would keep going yeah. for like however much longer it was going on for. Anyway, but um, I, I'm curious as to why what what happened around the time of Jesus's birth that made them restart the calendar. I have no because idea. Because I'm not I'm not a religious man. I believe Jesus existed. I believe that people followed him because yeah. obviously in those times people like to follow people for some reason. I don't mm. believe he did most of the shit that he did. But what was it about him that reset a fucking calendar? Yeah, I'd like to think the stories, the propaganda was what really propelled him. Uh, but I also, I'm and I'm similar with you. This is just my personal opinion, right? I'm similar to you in that I believe he was a real man that existed. I believe he would have been called Joshua. Actually, I think is the Jewish way of calling him. Um, so there was a man called Joshua who hung around, uh, who was, a, I suppose, a carpenter who from learnt from his dad, stepdad. Um, but um, I think what was more likely is that he maybe wandered off into like the desert, learnt some medical shit, became a bit of like a healer maybe um and like just yeah. sort of helped out a few people but then was also going around you know spouting a bit of stories and i suppose when there. people are downtrodden which they probably did feel at that time they they're always looking to someone new yeah 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 i, mean, I think the life of brian covered it very well like people would have followed anything in those days oh the life of brian is fantastic and it has to be watched more. I think The Life of Brian is actually a very good way. Or, you know, take out the funny side to it all, which you shouldn't do because it's brilliant. But if you just sort of like, if you don't look at it as a comedy for five minutes, you start to realise how likely this could have happened. Yeah, like just someone who was brave enough to stand up and speak when you could have been killed for doing so. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's fascinating. Anyway. He was probably just an activist. No, he probably was. And do you know what? If he was around today sort of saying that, people would... He'd probably be... He, do you know what he'd be? He'd just be a YouTuber. Yeah, honestly. Like, I saw a great like um, comparison. If a woman said that she was having a baby, but it wasn't her husband's, it was one from God, she'd be on Jeremy Kyle today. And they'd yeah, get a DNA yeah. test. And yeah. they'd be like, you cheated. 100% you had an affair. Yeah. Because she she did. If if the story is to believe that Joseph is not the father and the God is, she had an affair and lied about it, and it got massively out of hand. Mm. Totally. 
I got thrown out of my religious education class for suggesting that. But it's it's the only logical fucking no what no one I don't give a fuck who you are no one gets pregnant without fucking someone coming inside you. Like I'm sorry to put it that bluntly, but that's facts. Yeah, there's an old quote, and I'm I'm sorry I don't know who the original person who said the quote comes from, but I know I know it to come from Christopher Hitchens. If you Google it, you're about to find out who it actually came from. But Christopher Hitchens used this quote in a debate where he said, what's more likely that the whole natural order of things just stopped happening for one night or that one Jewish minx told a lie? Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if you're Christian, like, I'm not bashing your faith. I think religion has many, many positives. I'm just I, I'm picking holes in the story. Yeah, and we do this with Marvel movies, DC. We, we like to pick holes with stories. Yeah, if religion makes you a better person, then power to you. Fucking crack on. But... The, the, there's there's issues there as well for sure yeah uh getting back to the pod i have one issue um you're incorrect by the way in uh what year was jesus born so you said what zero you which i would assume obviously because we can't have the year zero it would make it year one mm. but that's not true supposedly jesus was born in the year four bce what so they just started uh, when he was fucking four Exactly. What happens to years three, two, and one? Oh, oh, wow. I'm, I'm I'm sure someone somewhere has written a massive fucking essay on this exact topic. <laughs> anyway, it's 4 BCE. Herod is sitting pretty in his palace after 34 years in the hot seat, seeing villains in every corner, when an unspecified number of wise men from fuck knows where come into his palace and are like, yo, King Herod, what do? Where's this new king of the Jews? Herod's all like, you're looking at him, boys. And then the wise men are like, nah, dog, we saw a star in the sky that says he was just born somewhere over in Bethlehem and you're not no baby. So naturally, Herod is seeing enemies everywhere. He ain't shy about killing those that stand in his way. Remember, he's even killed his own family members. So he's like, oh, Jesus. I mean, uh, oh, shit. Yeah, of course. That one. Um, I've heard of it. But I don't know where he is, so can you do me a favour? Um, because, you know, I'm kind of busy at the moment, being all king of the Jews and that. Go find him, and when you do, come back to me, let me know, so I can go and worship him myself. So, the unspecified number of wise men agreed and made their way to Bethlehem to see the baby Jesus away in a manger. While there, the unspecified amount of wise men were warned by God in a dream, quotes that they should not return to Herod. Fair warning, considering that Herod is, in his later years, uh, said to be mad, beginning to believe that his two sons from Miriami were plotting to overthrow him, which they might have been. He did have them. He did have their mother killed. Uh, oh, and also there was a rumour that he'd actually had her body stuffed into a big old pot of honey to preserve her. And every now and then little Herod would sort of tiptoe down the steps and go visit her and then continue their relationship. Bit weird. Yeah, very weird. Anyway, regardless, Herod had both his sons assassinated because he was scared they were plotting to overthrow him. So a bit of baby murder doesn't seem too far from the realms of possibility, but it would get much worse. So Jesus' stepdad, Joseph, was also warned by an angel, this time saying, quotes, 
Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there, until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Joseph did as he was told, and fled to Egypt, and just in the nick of time too. Herod was on his way, pissed that the wise men hadn't returned to him, and feeling outwitted, had sent an army of men into Bethlehem, with very specific orders. Murder every child in Bethlehem, aged two and under, in what is known today as the Massacre of the Innocents. And he uh, he did this? Well, that's the thing. Did it really happen? Did he really... That's the, I feel like the... the, the... It's been the blur the because before this was all facts. I feel like it's been blurred, like the lines been blurred a little bit. Yeah, did he really order the mass murder of thousands of babies in Bethlehem, a literal whole generation of children, just to get this one baby who was supposedly the king of the Jews to overthrow him? Um, I'd like to think no. Well, this is the thing. This is where uh, I was saying earlier where um. There's the real Herod, and then there's the Bible Herod. And where does the fact come from? So, for the most part, the things that we know about King Herod are written by a historian called Josephus. Uh, Josephus, sorry, uh, and that sort of seems to be the most sort of credible source we have of him. Um, the only other sources we really have come from the Bible. So, things that we know from there, it's a bit take it with a pinch of salt. Okay, so. Did he really murder thousands of babies? We don't actually know. The Gospel of St. Luke in uh, the Bible confirms that Jesus was born in the time of Herod, but mentions nothing about mass murder. Only the Gospel of Matthew has anything uh, on it, saying, quotes, Then Herod, when he saw he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts, coasts thereof from two years and under. That's, that's the only quote, that's the only thing in the Bible that says anything about Herod murdering children. Right, okay. So the only likely credible source we have is from ancient historian Josephus, who, like I said, isn't shy about documenting Herod's darker deeds. Josephus, as... Um, has absolutely no mention of the massacre at all. Like I say, he's not shy about saying that Herod is a bit of an arsehole, but at no point does he ever mention that he massacred children. So, although Herod could be a ruthless arsehole, absolutely no doubt, it's actually very unlikely that he did commit mass murder of babies, and is more likely that it's propaganda to push the story of Christ. Right. Okay. That's that's sort of that's my position, and that's why I was saying like, you've got these real characters who have just been completely like embellished and over exaggerated to the point where it's like it's not even believable for me, when actually they are they they were real people they did exist sometimes and you know, you know fiction sometimes just overdoes it. Mm. So Herod, as a seventy plus year old man now, which at the time was proper good innings, he began to suffer he was losing his mind and writhing around in excruciating pain we don't know what it was he was suffering from exactly but our best guesses are kidney failure which was poisoning his body from the inside and gangrene of the scrotum 
because of all the old. I'm sorry, repeat yeah, that. Gangrene of the scrotum from all the old um, rumpy pumpy he was having outside Mariami. Gangrene of the scrotum. Yeah, and I've seen pictures of it. It's not nice. That's not how. What's it refer? Is it still referred to that as nowadays, or is it a different like STI? I imagine it would have been an. It is today would be an STI. I don't know if it if it's an STI now. I don't know what it's called, but um, uh, the documentary that I was watching that they were like, yeah, it could have been gangrene under the scrotum, and that's the only way they referred it to. But they did show pictures, and it wasn't very nice. So he shagged himself to death. Pretty much, yeah. It looks like he may have done that. Now, either way, it would drive him to become relentlessly violent in his final days on this world. Remember back when I said he was pissing off locals but um, by making buildings with Roman touches? One of those buildings had a huge golden eagle on it, remember? Which was clearly an homage to Rome. Now, as a symbol of oppression to the locals, a group of students, encouraged by their tutor, tore down the eagle. Herod had them all slaughtered for this. Oh, and uh, remember his first wife, Doris, and the son? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, the son, named after Herod's own father, Antipater, uh, would make a spontaneous attempt for the crown. This dude was Herod's favourite. Antipater was uh, Herod's favourite son. And the idea, I suppose, would he is the natural successor. He would have been given the crown. Um, But for some odd reason, he's got a bit too greedy. Uh, Rather than waiting, he wants it now. And he made a bid for the crown. But that backfired. Um, He failed and Herod had his firstborn and favourite son executed as well. So he's killing his son left, right and centre as well. He likes to kill his family, doesn't he? He likes to kill people just to keep his crown. Mm. But at this point, like I say, this dude apparently is writhing around in absolute agony from his fucking melted scrotum. Uh, and he's just like, kill him, kill him, kill him. And everyone's just doing it for him. He was having people murdered for the slightest thing. It's like... It's like years of pent-up anger at his people for never truly accepting him was just boiling over. He Mm. had actually drawn up plans for a massacre of Jewish nobles to be murdered upon his death, but this order would never go through. The exact year of Herod's death is unclear, but there is support for the year 1 BCE. Of what, we are unsure, but it wasn't a pleasant passing but a slow and excruciating one. Now, his kingdom was essentially gifted to him by the Romans, which would, again, then be dished out into three sections this time, but to three surviving sons of Herod. But this would not last long, and within 100 years of Herod's death, the Romans would be persecuting the Jewish populace again. Uh, And that, for the most part, is Herod. Herod is dead now. So that is the story of Herod. What did you think? Um, it, it definitely, I can see where the Bible stories come from about why he would have wanted the king of the Jews dead because he was very skittish, wasn't he? He wanted no one to make a bid for his crown, even killed his mm. own fucking children. So, so, so I understand where they've got inspiration from that from. Yeah. Yeah, he's a bit of a bastard, really. He is. Like, he is a bad person for this week. And... It's not bad. He's not He's not a good person. Uh, but I don't think he's as bad as the Bible wants him to be. Yeah. And I think that's really the crux of it all. Um, you read you know, some sort of religious texts 
and they maybe demonise someone a bit more than they actually are. And I think maybe that's the case that's happened here. Don't get me wrong, he's a murderous arsehole and he does murder people left, right and centre. Does he massacre an entire generation of babies under the age of two? I don't think so. No. No, it doesn't seem to be the case. But anyway, that was the story of King Herod. King Herod the Great, to some, they do refer to him as that. A lot of people don't, they won't refer to him as such. It's just he was a king. He just happened to be called Herod, so therefore he's called King Herod, but he's no king of mine. He's no king of my history, all that sort of stuff. Uh, a lot of his uh, buildings that he built are still around today. You can you can see um, uh, uh, Herod, oh, I forgot what it's called now. Uh, Herodium is a big fort and built on a mountain, I think it was. He's like little palace from home, home from home. Uh, and then you've got the Temple Mount, which is still around today. You can go visit that, which apparently is fascinating to go do. So we are going to do that. At some point, I'm going to head to Israel and have a look at it. That'd be fantastic. So yes, that... we're going to go do that. I was like, okay, uh, when? Yeah, well, eventually, we're, we're, we're going to, this podcast is going to be brilliant and we're going to make some money. <laughs> yeah, we'll do. That's what people do on the road. That's what, oh, that'd be brilliant. That's what people do on the road. And we'll go to location and we will record an episode on location. That'd be brilliant. That would be cool. Yeah, I'd like that. Mm. Anyway, um, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Um, we do have some things to add. Well, I've got some things to add. Um, make sure you follow us on all the social media, of course. Uh, Instagram, that's what people do podcast. Follow us on Facebook, at That's WPD. On Twitter, it's exactly the same handle, at That's WPD. Or if you do have any suggestions for people you'd like us to talk about, drop them at That's What People Do Podcast at gmail.com. And we do have one small favour to ask you. Uh, now, every year in the UK, uh, they hold the British Podcast Awards. Um, and basically, we are, we, are, we are eligible to be recognised as one of the British podcasts, of course. We are British and we have a podcast. So we, naturally, we are eligible for this award as well. We are under no impression that we are going to win it, of course. There are some fantastic podcasts out there that have hundreds of thousands of listeners uh, every bloody week but for you loyal people who come and listen to us uh, every week we are so truly thankful that you do that so if you wouldn't mind at all could you head to uh, britishpodcastawards.com uh, and if you head there you can vote for your favorite podcasts uh, and just drop us a little vote you just all you do is you go on there uh, and you can find it says vote click on the vote and uh, what we'll also do, we'll have a, a link to it on um, our pages. You can find it there really easy. And you just type in, that's what people do. And you put your email address in and it sends you the email. It goes, would you like to vote for them? You go, yes, please. And then it's done. Um, we'd be so, so thankful if you guys could just drop us a little vote there. Um, we absolutely love making That's What People Do podcast. And it'd be so, so cool um, to see that you guys also like that and you, you know, want to vote for us. I think I'm just waffling now at this point. No, it's all good stuff. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's just brilliant that we're eligible to go for it. So why not? Drop us a vote. I know I've voted. Yeah, same. I got my family to vote. So that's something. We've got more than 10. <laughs> which is brilliant. Uh, oh, do we have any inkling as to next week's episode? We have an inkling. We don't know who. Um, I haven't been very well, so I haven't been able to think about it too much. Um, That's true. I think I think it's going to be some sort of conspiracy theory episode. 
Oh, nice. I just need to find a specific subject, which I'm sure I will. But yeah, it will be some sort of conspiracy theory stuff. Excellent. We'll look because we all have a conspiracy theory. Your... I was looking into Roswell, but that's a fucking ball lake. That is a heavy subject. Yeah, it's what? a massive ball. I don't know. I'll find something. It'll be interesting. It'll be fun. Excellent. Well, everyone, get your Tim Four hats out for next week. We have conspiracy episode coming up. I look forward to that. So, uh, anything else, James? Um... No, not really. Just hoping life goes back to normal soon because I'm fucking bored. Yeah, I hope you guys are all staying safe, staying well, staying alert. Coronavirus might be right Yeah, stay alert. Then if you're in trouble, go to Durham. Yeah, yeah, always head to Durham, even though your sister lives around the corner in London. Never mind. Yeah. She's not She's <laughs> not fit enough to look after my children. We're going to Durham. <laughs> anyway, on that note. It's so far. <laughs> On that note, thanks for listening, guys, and join in next week where we talk more conspiracy stuff. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>